This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Back in 2014, he came onto the scene wearing a cat suit with his friend Paul Long in the outfield to basically say goodbye to Derek Jeter in Major League Baseball. And that day, wearing a cat suit took off and exploded for John Stoner. He's now become one of the biggest super fans in all of sports. He's become one of the great ambassadors for Kansas City, and he's the latest guest on the KC Bobcast. All right, I'm going to start out with this, and this is like an odd question, but I think it's the one that sums you up the best. When, when did you realize you were a thing? Oh, my goodness. I, uh, probably with the cat suits whenever uh, their Jeter's last game and went to the New York Times and Washington Post one afternoon in the uh, my phone blew up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then it was something. And, and, and it was something. And, and you know, the, the impetus behind the cat suit wasn't anything to really kind of generate yourself as some kind of fan icon here in Kansas City. It was just let's me and my friend Paul Long go out and have some fun and wear a cat suit and kind of mock Derek Jeter. Huh? Yeah, we were out there just to troll and give him something to remember Kansas City by. And then it, they won 10 games. I mean, we were in third place in 2014. We weren't like we led all year or anything. And, uh, we just kept rolling with it. And and so what, what 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 prompted that? Because I think that's where people obviously remember you from. I think pre-cat suit days, people have no idea who John Stoner is, right? They have no idea who Paul Long is. Nope. Once you put those cat suits on and told Jeter he was like perfect or whatever it was, <laughs> you not only became local heroes, you became national kind of celebrities and national kind of icons. So what was the, the backstory behind that and why you guys decided to do that? I just saw them online. I thought they were hilarious. And uh, Paul was just moving back to Kansas City, and uh, you know he's married now and got a baby. And I was like, "Oh, here we go. Let's let's put these cat suits on. We'll go do this one time, and it, it'll be a good time, and it's kind of kick off you being back in town." Right, and and then it exploded into something where nobody you know looked at you otherwise, other than the cat suit. And it was like always wanting to be you in the cat suit, and the cat suit guys, and the cat suit guys. How did it go from that one time thing? to an explosion that, and we'll get to it, where you guys were able to use this for, like, some really good things. I think uh, the, reason, the reason it got the scale it did is because the team kept doing well and uh, all that good energy around there. Uh, it, it was it was fun. We weren't trying to, like, make any money or, you know, get anything for free. And uh, as soon as we started getting some attention, we started aiming it at different charities and trying to help other kids and uh, do whatever we could that was good because it was kind of goofy all these guys looking at grown men in spandex yeah it, it really was and i remember the first time i saw that and, and jen looks at that and she goes that's my mom's friend's son who's that that i know him i'm like really that those are two weirdos out there like what kind of grown men would do something like that and, and and it was like you created this like following like you guys created like this mass following all of a sudden of kansas city fans and you guys were like the pied piper leading the fans <laughs> in 2014 when really 2014 was not only a turning point for sports in this town but i think a turning point for kansas city itself yep that's for sure and it was a uh, it was interesting because i had so many people had found me on facebook and everything that now everybody's asking me like what time the gates open 
where the, the parties are. I'm like, I don't know. So I'm like, then I'm like looking into it more than I used to. So it kind of made me a bigger fan than I probably was to begin with. And it, it kind of took over life there for a little bit. That's kind of, we uh, had to retire him a little bit ago. Yeah. You, you guys did. And, and, and that was obviously, you know, uh, the, the right move. I would imagine retiring the cat suits at the time, but yeah, w- w- when you became kind of the, the leader of that fan movement back in, in 2014, it's clearly something you embraced, but it wasn't like you weren't going to games before and being a fan before. You just had a different kind of role as a fan at that time. Yeah, it felt like, a, you know, I quit drinking so many beers out there. I was like, man, I got, I got too many eyeballs on me. I better not be getting too silly out here. And, yeah. uh, and uh, kind of grew up and... It was, it was a good time. It, it, it was. And, and I, I think that 2014 season was, was a kind of a crossroads for this town. And, and I think before the Royals went on their run, we were a, a town that was, you know, all right, whatever, fine. But I, I think we still had some self-esteem issues. There's no question about that. And 2014 happened, and I, I thought we saw a renaissance here in Kansas City. From your perspective, how much do you think Kansas City grew up because of the run that the Royals went on that year? I feel like it was quite a bit, like it. After that is like there's another crane going up downtown every every couple of weeks. I'm sure those were planned years in advance, but like every everybody that I knew that had a bar or anything was making improvements and they were they were packed. I mean every every playoff game they were just making more than they'd ever made before at that particular establishment. And with with that, I think we kind of elevated. We showed that Kansas City, you know, you give us something to come out for, they will, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been awesome. <laughs> yeah, it has, and 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 really changed the sports landscape because you know the Royals go to back to back World Series, obviously winning it in 2015, being the the best sporting event we've seen in our lifetimes here, obviously in this town. Then the Chiefs got good on top of that. Kansas City's getting accolades all over the country is a great place to be. Mm-hmm. It seems like you're right. Every day there's a new building being built downtown, and this city has just exploded. How much of that success of everything do you truly attribute to the Kansas City Royals? And wonder, man, if the Royals didn't go on this run. Would we even be sitting here talking about this kind of stuff today? Yeah, I think quite a bit. But with all that traffic downtown, it showed how valuable the, the streetcar that had just gone in was also. And that that helped the, the masses get around. And uh, and then once that showed value and then how it can, without it, everybody's stuck on the highways. Mm-hmm. You remember how the, the terrible traffic jam getting down to the parade? And yeah. It was, it was the best way to move around. And then... You know, now they're talking extensions and, you know, connecting the whole city. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what the Royals did with connecting the whole city. And, it, you know, that keeps following suit. Yeah, I, I think so many people's lives were changed by that Royals 2014 run. I know mine was changed. I know obviously yours was changed. I think anybody who lived in Kansas City had a moment where they realized their lives were changed. And one of the biggest things for me was you guys, Noah's Bandage Project, and getting involved with folks who – who, who needed it, man, who needed help, who needed some direction, who needed a place to go. And we all kind of got connected through Noah's Bandage Project and, and, and helping out Noah. How did how did you get involved and, and first start with that? Uh, I met Noah out at a baseball game, and uh, Scott brought him up and kind of explained what was going on and everything. And I, I just thought it was, you know, he's just the neatest kid. And I mean, Scott was just a wonderful man. And then I, you know, started meeting some of the other kids they had. And every game that I went to, I would text him because they were going to quite a few games also to see if he was out there mm-hmm. and started hanging out there. And then, uh, you know, and when I met you and then you were doing stuff with them also and uh, Tim Grimes also. Sure. And, uh, it was a good group of, of folks and started going to some of the, the planning meetings and the events. And that, that thing's really taken off with all the runs. I'm mean, doing so many good things. Right. Did you ever realize that you, you could have such an impact on a community just by wearing a cat suit and doing that thing? 
no, no. I, I mean, seriously, look, no. think about the impact that you've had, man, and, and you and Paul and, and, and everybody that was a part of that thing, the impact that you guys were able to have on this town. It was, uh, I wouldn't have thought that would be how, uh, how I'd be helpful, but, but if that's what I got to do to get some people looking at me and bringing attention to some of the causes I'm working with, I'm, I'm happy to do it. What, what, 10 years ago, let, let's go back 10 years in John Stoner's life. It's, it's the end okay. of, of 2019, beginning of 2010. We're getting ready to start a new decade. What's life like for John Stoner 10 oh, years man, ago? Oh, man, 10 years ago, life's rough. Uh, freshly divorced, got a, about a one-and-a-half-year-old, uh, traveling for work every week, only in Kansas City, maybe five days a month. And uh, or uh, Let's see here. I was hanging around the weekend, so if I didn't have my daughter, I didn't come to Kansas City. So I was, it was less than a week a month I was in town. And just living out of suitcases, uh, having way too much fun down in Miami. But <laughs> And, uh, yeah, it's... I was glad to get some roots kind of after all that, that run. Yeah, so that that's a pretty good run. I mean, for a single guy, yeah. you know, late 20s, early 30s, whatever the age was, running around town, not having really any responsibility, <laughs> right? It, it could be a lot of fun. So what what brought you home? What said it's time for me to put down roots? and Because and, you grew up outside of Osawatomie. I mean, yeah. you got, you're from down there. It's close enough to Kansas City. But what made you decide, like, this was the place where I wanted to be and this was what I wanted to do? I spent my... Uh, Growing up, my dad always lived in Waldo, and uh, my mom lived in the Northeast, mm-hmm. and so I kind of lived with my aunt down in Drexel after Osawatomie, and so I was in Kansas City before, went down to the Sticks for maybe eight years or so, had a, had a good time, uh, got to play sports and everything, I probably wouldn't have been good enough to play sports up here in Kansas City, so that was nice, but uh, spending the, the summers and everything in Kansas City uh, and all the parks, it just made me want to be there, I mean, so many skyscrapers there at Winstead's. I live right by there now. And yeah. All that stuff, all that barbecue. All, all of that. Just, yeah, so th- just everything. Th- th- this was going to place to be. And so did, did you ever have a vision like, I want to impact the city. I want to do good things for others. Like, was that ever something that you planned? Or was that something that just happened because of the way the Royals went on the run and you wearing that cat suit? That happened pretty organically. Like, I, I've... Uh... I volunteered at things before, uh, you know, more of a worker bee, and I never thought that I would be more out front and trying to, like, promote it and, and grow it from that side of things. So I was always happy to help, but never never would have planned on organizing anything. That's not really my strong suit. Right. It was never one of those things. Most of the things that you do for good, and I'm talking about the, the general you, right, mm-hmm. most of the things you do for good do happen organically. They're not something that all of a sudden you're thinking about and you're planning about. It just kind of happens, and that's kind of how I found myself with Noah's Bandage Project. I think we all remember the first time we met Noah. And I remember the first time I met Noah it was they were looking for World Series tickets. And, and we were able to find four tickets to the World Series. And I remember talking to Scott for the first time. He goes, well, I need six. And I'm like, six? Up yours. I don't have <laughs> six tickets. Here's four tickets. But we were able to get him the six tickets to the World Series. And at one of those first games of the World Series in 2014, I met Noah. And, and how could you not fall in love with a kid at that age, under the age of 10, who's battling cancer, and he's thinking of others. Like, that kid had more of an impact on me than I think maybe just about any adult that's ever come through my life. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about that. Just, you know, going to see him in the hospital and everything, even when you know things are bad, he was always good spirits, and he was, he was very, uh, he kind of led us through that whole, it was kind of traumatic. You know, I had never been around too much illness like that, mm-hmm. especially with a young man, and uh just seeing his strength kind of made us all a little stronger, and it stuck afterwards. I, I think it did. How did it affect you as a dad watching that? That was that was pretty awful. Uh, to it just made me just think of how you know seeing another parent and and how strong Scott and Deb were through that, and uh, and 
you know, Connor and everybody. And mm-hmm. uh, it was I, something I just hope that anytime that somebody had a sick child, I'm going to do anything that they would ever ask and trying to keep my karma right. So maybe that keeps me from having one. You know, yeah, sure. Really, but. Yeah, I, I think, you know, that that's interesting that you say, you know, kind of keeps the karma right from from not having something like that, because yeah. I think I think we all as parents probably look at that as as, you know, the the worst thing that could possibly happen is having a sick or an, an unhappy child, but more importantly, a sick child who's battling that cancer. And I don't know that I would have been like Scott and Deb, at least out front. I, I don't know that I would have been like Scott and Deb. I don't know behind the scenes how they handled everything, yeah. but I know out front they were as strong as you could possibly be through all that. And I don't know if I could handle like their role models for me as well. Yeah. There's no way I could. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. All right. So you, so you do the cat suit 2014 happens. The Royals win the world championship. My favorite moment for you. I still think of this is, is down in Houston when we were banging on your hotel room door <laughs> with Laura Moritz and the channel nine camera crew and, you guys kind of opened it up and nobody was dressed and Laura comes walking into your room. <laughs> why don't you why don't you tell the folks the story about Laura Moritz seeing you in your underwear? Oh my goodness. Uh so we were down there and they knock on the door and uh, my girlfriend at the time Robin, who's a character, uh she opens the door and is nervous wreck. She just has major anxiety and sees the news people and so she comes in to get me and then I'm like, oh, I know what this is because I know you work with her. I'm like, Bob's pranking me. Right. So then I go out to the door. I was like, I'm going to one-up him. I'm going to I'm gonna show up over there in my boxer shorts and say I just got out of the shower. And so I opened Oh, the door. so you thought I was pranking you. Yeah. With the, oh, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. that. that even makes the story better. <laughs> yeah, so I thought, I thought you were trolling me. So I'm like, all right, I see what's going on here. I'm just going to show up in my boxer shorts, and uh, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then they edit the boxer shorts out of the – out of the video and make it look like I'm just totally naked. Yeah. There, so, <laughs> so it was like they turned it around again on me. It was right. like checkmate. <laughs> so what was your reaction when you go to the door and there's Laura standing there at the door with, and you're standing there in your boxer shorts? Oh, I was just I was just cracking up. I you know met her before. No, no, they're great people. And, yeah, uh, I was comfortable and uh, yeah, we were just talking about it, just doing an interview, just like I had full clothes on. <laughs> yeah, that I mean that that's still one of my favorite moments. Is is that the favorite moment for you through all this that was maybe captured on video, captured in picture? Do you have a favorite moment that you look back on with all of this? Because I was going through some of your Facebook stuff yeah. today and I'm I'm looking at like all of these pictures and you're constantly captured in great photos at Chiefs games from just based on where you sit and whatnot. What's your favorite moment of where you were captured or something like that? I think it was uh, down at McFadden's one night after we were going to the World Series again. We didn't. Uh, we didn't win the World Series. We we won the. We beat the was it the Blue Jays? I yeah. forgot what year it was. But they uh, all the guys went down and party to McFadden's, and mm-hmm. I was walking by, and the guys from there were like, "Hey, come in here because the players are late." So I, I walked down the gate, and all the fans cheer, and it was like they kind of wanted me to like warm the crowd up a little bit. While were you late. wearing the cat suit? Yeah, at the time? yeah, Because okay. yeah. we, we I just shot straight down there after the games, and uh, so I'm down there and. and you know, having a good time with the fans and everything. And then uh, Sal and Duffy and several of the players start coming in and start shooting uh, Quato and start shooting champagne everywhere. And they give me a bottle and I'm shooting it. Then uh, and I'm, I start drinking mine because that's a better use of it in my, my mind. And, yeah. then, and then somebody got a picture of Salvador coming up behind me and like, well, I'm chugging my bottle. He starts dumping another one in my mouth. And uh, I'll, I love that picture. Like, I'll have that one forever. That was one moment. And then after the 15... Uh, or after the Chiefs won in Houston that mm-hmm. same weekend, the we had good seats like right where the tunnel was, and like Reed was like chopping at the crowd, walking off the field, and uh, 
And I'm like waving at him, and I'm like so excited. He like points at me, and uh, so that was on video also. And I, I just thought that was so cool. <laughs> like, I, you know, we went home and we had champagne after that and everything because it had been so long since we won a playoff game. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, I mean that that was a lot of fun, and and, and I think through 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 all the Royals stuff, and 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 nothing will ever to me top what we experienced with 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 the Royals in fourteen or fifteen. Being there in Houston when the Chiefs won that playoff game was pretty special because that was like that was a relief more than it was I think a joy of winning something. Yeah, I mean, just. Just the memes. <laughs> yeah. I'm just getting killed at every uh, every internet fight with any Raider or a Bronco fan. You just get, you know, what was it, 25 years or something like that. Like, right. God, it kind of is. And then you try to make the, well, we were 13-3 and three argument and had a bye week through the, you know, you can't, that's a bad argument. You know, that's, you don't want to do it. It's like when you're getting shut out in a video game and you kick a field goal at the end and not get shut out. You know, right. You can't. You can't bring that up. No, you did. You, you you just can't. But 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 that moment with Salvi and, and partying with those guys. Did you look at yourself during those years as kind of like an extension of the team almost? Because I think a lot of people did. I think I think if you ask most people, they would have thought you worked for the team back in those days. I I thought it was uh, kind of a part of the fans. Is more how I looked at it. And uh, and I look at I've I've been around some of these, especially the NFL guys, and they think they are part of the team and or owed something and something special, and it gets. It gets a little greasy sometimes, so I was always able to make a distinction there on that. <laughs> but I wanted to be kind of like the organizer of the fans and, and there at everything partying and doing the best I can. <laughs> so what the cat suit giveth, the cat suit ultimately taketh away from you. You guys decided to retire that. Yeah. Tell me about that. Why? Oh, well, it just got uh, – well, we got busy uh, – Paul had a second kid. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, you, know <laughs> you can make enough excuses to go to some games and have one kid, and then like once we're not really wearing them to games, and it's just we're just wearing them to like charity things and whatever. And you know, we go to like a couple. We only went to very few games after that second kid, and then it was like, man, what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, we don't want to be like you're just trying to hang on to something for too long. You mm-hmm. know, it's just. Time to let that go and let somebody else do something. Were you starting to get kind of pushback or, th- or that, or is that just a kind of an organic thing you guys decided to do? Well, it was just him and I decided to do that. You know, they were they were good sports and going to the games they can and everything, but but uh, I just didn't want to look at it like we were just trying to hang on to something for too long. Well, that that's pretty amazing that you were able to to, to kind of recognize that because you see a lot of athletes that are like hanging on for dear life, yeah. like they don't want to let it go. Yeah. You guys, you guys kind of—I don't want to say quit it when it was hot, but you yeah. guys kind of quit it when it was hot, you know? Yeah. Yep. What What about if the Chiefs go to the Super Bowl this year? Do you break out the cat suit for that? And, and <laughs> no. re- so, so that is that is fully in retirement. Yeah, that's right that's retired. Like I said, I just let uh, there's lots of other fans. Let somebody else go wear a funny outfit for a bit or something, and. uh yeah, take turns. Don't, do you, want, don't want to hog it. Do you do you look at some of the super fans today and go, man, if it wasn't for us in this cat suit, maybe a lot of these guys wouldn't be here today and and, and dressing up the way that they do? Because I think a lot of people were inspired by you guys. <laughs> I don't. I think the the NFL in general has been a. Uh, they've had you know the what was it the hogettes and all those guys and you know that stuff's been around for years. I always thought it was pretty funny and and they still like that. Uh, when I was a kid, I always watched that uh, old Lynn Weird Wolf. I don't know if you've seen him sure, out there yeah. in the dust little up, man. He was. I'd see him and uh, Monty, Arrow Man, on TV, and I right. always thought that was cool. So it was long, long before anything we did. Those guys were out there doing it. And, and Weird Wolf is funny because I, I keep one of his little uh, his little pins on my bag all the time that yeah. say Decibel up. So yeah. yeah, he's very creative. He's made he's made a lot of uh, good graphic. He does a lot of graphic work. Great graphic and, uh, work. Yeah. And, and if he goes in on you and uh, 
roast you with like a birthday post or something. He can do some pretty good Photoshop. It's pretty hateful sometimes. Is it? <laughs> is it? He's got great skills. So when you're looking around the, the the rest of the league right now, and you're looking at a lot of these super fans, there are some good ones out there. Who are some of your favorites that are out there right now? Oh, I'm trying to think of the other teams. Uh, yeah, they're just. Let me think here. A lot of those Raider guys are pretty out there. Yeah, too. that uh, there was Wayne. Wayne's big old uh, Raider guy with spikes on his pads. Yeah, that real nice guy. Uh, met that gorilla guy out there once. He was he was pretty cool. And then uh, the other teams I went to, the, actually the Houston Texans. There's a guy that dresses up like Ultimate Warrior down there. Real real nice guy. Oh, that's pretty cool. You, know, you got I can respect the the spandex and everything. And actually the. Uh, he lives in St. Louis. It doesn't come to a ton of Chiefs games. So Mike Waters uh, dresses up like Macho Man Randy Savage, and has the beard. And he's he's a bigger man than I am. And he gets in those spandex pants, and it's it's always it's always fun to watch him try to squeeze into those. Well, I, I think what's what's cool about it is people look at them on TV and they think, oh my god, what are these people doing? But these are just dudes and gals that just want to have fun and express their love for the team and what they're doing. And at the end of the day. That's what sports is about. Sometimes we lose that. We get like into these rivalries and this hatred and this kind of stuff. But we're all in this together as sports fans. Yeah, we're all. It's it's odd for you know, thirty forty year old men to go root on guys in their twenties and wear their jerseys. That's just as weird as you know wearing whatever crazy outfit you want to. So it's kind of like a brotherhood. And uh, I have a lot of friends and you know a lot of parties, and you know I go to birthday parties. And things like that, where other people maybe they go to church, and that's what they do. I always go to Arrowhead, right? And but but you formed a lot of great relationships, like that party that you have at the beginning of the year, the Chiefs homecoming party, where everybody oh, gets together. I mean, like being a fan of a team, and I'm getting goosebumps as I'm talking to you about it. Like like being a fan of a team and and having that bond with other fans and having those relationships, like those are things you 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 can't like faux manufacture. I mean, those are things that just happen organically and naturally. And I think you've done a great job of bringing so many people together together that are fans of the Kansas City Chiefs, not just at your event, but in Lot D with Dan Joy and all that kind of stuff. You guys have done a great job, I think, of connecting this city in a way that maybe it wasn't connected before. Yeah, we've had a – it worked out great. You bring Dan up. Dan's very organized, uh, wants to know a plan and everything, and, and, and helped. And then with the, the reach that I had at the time, I met so many – when I was going to all these road games, I started meeting all these out-of-town fans mm-hmm. and just having a dedicated spot so everybody's not getting in town. And texting, because it's really annoying when you text somebody, then they're waiting on somebody, then their friends get in from the airport. So we just tried to set up designated spots where on the home opener weekend, everybody plan on going to this spot one night and then go to that spot one night. And uh, we make try to make them kid-friendly mm-hmm. so that, you know, you're not trying to, oh, I have a kid with me. I can't come to the party. So that's why we always did that barbecue. And um, met, you know, we had people from Sweden come in, yep. uh, Canada, Mexico. A lot of California, it's it's really neat hearing everybody's story and how they became fans. What's the best story you've heard from a fan that you met because of being a Chiefs fan? Uh, probably the best to me, just because I always loved them, was uh, I was in Dallas and is in that touchdown club. It's kind of the bottom part, you know, that bar down there. Right. And Rasheed Wallace was down there in his Chiefs gear. Okay. And I'd heard through the internet rumors that Rasheed was a Chiefs fan and – and so I went up and I was talking to him about it. And he, I don't know if you, I mean, you know, Rashid is, he's not the most approachable person. He's kind of, he's, I don't know how many technical fouls he has, but I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go ask him about this. And he gets talking about, he was at Carolina and all of his friends picked different teams. And uh, when Montana came to town and all of that was going on, 
he's like, I'm going to roll with them. And, and I think maybe it's just because I'm scared that, you know, Rashid's going to slap me or something. But, but it was a neat story and it kind of stuck with me. That, that is pretty cool. All right. Yeah. So, so for you got Rashid Wallace is kind of the coolest celebrity Chiefs fan that, that's out there, right? Yeah. Who's the, who's the coolest, like just Joe that travels in and experiences this just because they love the Chiefs and they've, maybe they, maybe they do live in Sweden. Maybe they mm-hmm. live in Canada. Maybe they live in Alaska. Maybe they live somewhere else around the country and this is their team. This is their passion and this is where they want to be. We got a, there's Mike out in California, and he grew up, you know, like an Army guy, you know, and moving around a lot and everything, and, and became a fan and was for years in L.A. and Oakland and all of those places, San Diego, going to all the games. And I just think of out of all the ways to enjoy being a fan, that would not be very enjoyable to be going to those particular cities to, to root them on. And for him to do it all those years, he comes back. He sees a ticket holder, comes back to four or five games a year. And he works nights. I mean, sometimes he comes in after his night shift without sleeping and then goes to the game and then flies out and has to go straight to a shift. Like things that I would never in a million years do, he's out there doing it to make it to games. That's pretty powerful. Where is the the furthest you know of somebody coming to go watch a game at Arrowhead Stadium? The uh, Sven from Sweden, yeah, he, he comes in and uh, it's funny because he, he stays with me because he come, he's got like a f- one shot a week of getting from his town in Sweden to Kansas City. So it's like you go out on that flight and it might be four days before the game, and then you come home, you know, three days after the game, something like that. Just because that's he has to go to us, take a train to a city, and then take a flight to somewhere else, and then a flight here, and it was. Um, and now that we lost the Iceland flights, I think it's going to be even harder to get to Kansas City. Maybe those will come back. <laughs> so so he has to travel, like, literally for two weeks, basically, just to make it here for a game. That That's yeah. dedication. So how does somebody in Sweden become a Kansas City Chiefs fan? He was uh, he was working in the States for a while, and uh, he's actually married to a Panthers fan, which is kind of funny. But uh, So he was over here, met her, and then they moved back to Sweden is kind of how that went. And he... Uh, uh, has to, when he comes for a game, she gives him a list of like Chef Boyardee, all kinds of like weird American things that we take for granted. He needs to go to Walmart and get to take home to his like justification for leaving for the week like that. Really? Yeah. What's the craziest thing you saw him buy where you're like, really, you're buying that? Probably the Chef Boyardee or some of the weird, watching him try to navigate the makeup aisle is pretty good. <laughs> so last year we had one of the gals went with him and helped him and it was helpful. But the year before, he was just overwhelmed and like sending pictures back and forth to Sweden, trying to find out if it was the right thing, and that was pretty overwhelming. And an, uh, and actually another another great story I just remembered of of the out of town fans is uh, somebody found me on a Chiefs fan found me on Twitter out in uh, Seattle is where he's living, mm-hmm. and I was going out there, and my Twitter is kind of rough sometimes. And him and his wife followed me on there, and they wanted to come meet. And he's like, "Oh, you better you better stay back, and just in case something happens, we don't know what kind of joker this is." And we go to this awful bar in Silverdale after work. I'm leaving. I'm in a suit because I come from, like, consulting. And he's an attorney. And here we are, like, meeting from, you know, talking trash on Twitter to everybody and wondering if this is going to be, like, a serial killer. And it ends up being <laughs> pretty, like, white-collar people. And, and then he, he's been coming to games now, too. So so you, you have really become, like, this magnet for fans around the country. I mean, you kind of become the point man you and Dan Joy in Kansas City 
for assembling all fans from from out of town. I mean, yeah. it, th- that's got to be something you you kind of you know when, when you get a moment and think about. It, you go, man, what, what we've been able to create here and do, you know, because of this football and because of this franchise, it's got to be pretty remarkable. I mean, you got to be pretty proud about that. Yeah, we I do love that. It's and I love staying in touch with all the guys. Uh, and some, you know, they're hilarious. Like uh, Noah, Noah Kaufman is like one of the funniest people you'll ever meet. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so is Chris Wilhelm, you know, the fake agent. Sure. And uh, so I've made some, like, tremendous friendships. And uh, Dave up in Canada. And it's like these guys that I talk to all year. You know, I, I went to Dave's birthday party in Canada a couple of years ago. Wasn't Didn't go to Toronto. Didn't do anything cool. Went to his birthday party. And we drank in a Canadian garage for, like, three days in a row. And just it was like that Letterkenny show. It was like a town right down the road. Yeah. And I came back and we we lived so wrong for so many days in a row. I came back I had gout in my knee. <laughs> <laughs> how do you how the hell do you get gout in your knee? Like that's the ultimate fat person deal it, right it there, hurt right? So bad. It hurt in uh I went in there and the doctor I was like I couldn't. It was like one of the most painful things I ever dealt with. And the, the doctor asked what happened and uh so what, I'd done that out there in that Canadian garage and I came back and I was like I got to turn my life around. I got to eat healthy and uh, try to be good for a couple of days, get off the cheeseburgers, and uh, came back, and, and it was the drastic diet change caused the acid buildup and gave myself gout from trying to be healthy right after, you know, drinking case of Molson or whatever a day up in Canada. So what goes on in a Canadian garage? Well, I thought, it, first of all, it's not cool. Like, if you go in July... You're not getting out of the Kansas City heat. It's the same thing. Is it really? Yeah, I did not know that. So I went up there, like, oh, we'll be okay. And no, it was a hundred degrees, and it was awful. But he's got cheese jerseys. Like he's probably got forty jerseys up in his garage, and it's kind of where he would go out there and watch the games. And uh, and all the guys up there, they have a different NFL team. They mm-hmm. just pick one, and then they all argue against each other. And hanging out with him and his friends is just. It was such a. It was like weird culture. It was kind of neat to see. How did he pick the Chiefs? I think he just grabbed one. I don't. I don't. There didn't seem like to be a great story. His dad was a Blackhawks fan from Chicago, uh, so I don't. I don't know where they're all. <laughs> I don't know how a Canadian grabs the Chiefs, but he grabbed them back when uh, Derek Thomas and everything is kind of when he became a fan. So maybe he like rushing the passer or something. Yeah, I'll have to find out. How much do you think this incarnation of Kansas City with? Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid now and Ty Matthew. How how much do you think this group is helping the fan base grow and become bigger both nationally and internationally because of the way they're playing? Well, yeah, they're playing great, you know, and uh, we have the guy now. You know, Mahomes is, you know, we've looked at when I was little, you look at Brett Favre, Steve Young, you know, all these great quarterbacks that, you know, they got a chance every year. And we have that guy. And not only that, but he's very approachable and, uh, you know, his dad's walking through the tailgate. It's so awesome. And then Kelsey, he's very, you know, you see him, he'll, um, they go to bars. Uh, he's never rude to anybody. And for after, you know, the Haley and Pioli years and mm-hmm. and kind of had all that going about the team, it's, it's kind of, you know, the NFL in general is pretty buttoned down still. But to have Kelsey and Mahomes and, and, and Matthew, you know, the honey badger on Twitter just blasting everybody and interacting it's it's kind of refreshing for the NFL to have players that will interact with the fans so much. How much do you want to see this fan base grow? Are you, are you one of these guys that wants to see it become an international oh, yeah. brand? Yeah, I'm like, come on the bandwagon. I'm tired of, you know, I've seen Steelers, Cowboys, Raiders. Uh, and the Raiders and Cowboys have been bad for a long time. But, you know, yeah. what? they're still, when they're, they're in town, you know, you know it. Because it's like these 
teams that had their time to be the one that everybody wanted to come watch, and they do stick around, and they do pass that down to their kids. So if we could really get a foothold on everything and make it where we're one of those teams that when Kansas City comes to town, you know it because Mahomes brought so many people to us, and then it kind of got passed down to other people's kids. So with with, with all of this super fandom comes Queer Eye for the straight guy, <laughs> and here comes them knocking at your door saying, John Stoner, why don't you be on the show? I got so many questions. I don't know that we have enough time. How did it happen? Like, how did the whole thing start where you were going to be, I guess, a contestant, if you will, on the on this show? There was like three or four interviews and different backgrounds. Well, who suggested you for it, I guess? Like, let's get to the beginning. So they, I got suggested a, a couple, I got nominated by several people, but the one that stuck was they called looking for, they wanted a dad that was involved with the ice skating community. Oh, okay. So I think that they knew that they wanted to bring a skater into the show Mm -hmm. and was kind of looking for a skater dad to to make that happen. And my daughter ice skates, and uh, and, uh, actually her mom was the president of the skating team at the time and was just like, oh, do we ever have one for you? (laughs) (laughs) She she couldn't tell them fast enough. (laughs) So they contacted her, and she goes, I got it. My my ex-husband is this guy. Do you look at the people who, like, recommended you for this and go, hey, screw you. You must not (laughs) think highly of me, right? Yeah, you don't get on that show because you got your stuff together. (laughs) Right. Yeah, 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 exactly. So so you're like, hey, wait a second. This is cool. But, hey, wait a second. This isn't cool because you guys are jerks for nominating (laughs) me for this. Yep. And it was a, and it actually ended up being Lucy because uh, of the interview process. They loved her so much, and they they just decided that that was the one that they wanted to roll with, and uh, it worked out great. <laughs> so, what was that whole process like for you from the time they showed up in town to the time they finished? What was what was it like just being on that show? Oh, it was, it was like nothing I'd ever seen. Like it was, I I took off a week of work and told all my friends, you know, I'm basically going away. Like cause I couldn't. Everything was scheduled. There was 50 people around constantly. They would drop me off at my hotel. They'd pick me up at my hotel. You stayed at a hotel here in town? Yeah. Where'd you stay? Uh, the Holiday Inn right there by my house, uh, okay. right on uh, by the Quick Trip on Maine. Why did they put you up there? I think just because it was in the neighborhood. No, but why oh. couldn't you just stay at your house? Though? Uh, they were redoing my house. They did a ton of construction. Oh, they did? Yeah. Oh, yeah, my. They were. They were it was pretty invasive. Like They were running... You know, I didn't have a ceiling fan in my bedroom, and they put one up, and chandeliers in my bedroom, which is odd. Yeah. But uh, I have those now. And a lot of, you know, they did my whole main floor of my house, which was awesome. Okay. Yeah. So so you were in a hotel for a week. Yes. And, and going through this. So every day it was, like, packed to the gills. Huh? Yeah, and they'd pick me up, and uh, we'd go shoot for maybe four hours somewhere, and then take a lunch, and then they'd drive somewhere else, and we'd shoot for a couple more hours. And mm. the people that were on that team were working, you know, 15, 16-hour days, and mine wasn't quite that bad because they picked me up and everything would already be set up and we'd do our thing. But it was every day for four days. Did you get paid for that? They uh, they gave me some money of what they thought would uh, cover the taxes. And like I said, they, my house was redone, uh, all, like tons of clothes. Like I'm talking like 20 outfits, something like that, six or seven coats. So the it was a, it was. It was definitely worth it. Yeah, I was gonna say. So yeah. ultimately, it was yeah, it was worth all new pots and pans and a pot, you know my uh, stove and everything was all there still, but like new, I don't know, waffle makers and things. Yeah, that, that kind of stuff. So, so for you, like, like what what ultimately was the benefit, the best thing to come from from being on that? Just save all the new clothing and yeah, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Like, what what came out of it for you? Oh, just seeing uh, when they brought Michelle Kwan out to work with my daughter on her ice skating, like. 
I just at that time I was like, well, all my all my goofiness has uh, brought us here. You know, now we got the best ice skater in U.S. history uh, on the ice here, working with my daughter on what she needs to do to get her axles right and things like that. So that was that was pretty impressive. Did did you get many uh, many dates out of this thing? Did like a lot of women start calling that you haven't heard from, getting like requests <laughs> on Facebook and things like that? Like, I got to be with this guy. We got got the DMs rolling, and, and actually the uh, the gal I'm dating now. I would have never thought I could uh, date this, you know, person like this. And she's a doctor and really, really neat woman. And I'd kind of given up on dating uh-huh. and uh, watched her uh, office manager had watched the episode and, and told her, like, hey, uh, you, this guy looks nice. He's not a creep. And uh, you should try to go, see if you can go out on a date with him. And it was I'd just become single and it was perfect timing. So how did she find you? She rolled into your DMs? Uh, long ago, uh, I'd met her at a Chiefs game with the cat suit. And okay. so she was like, well, I already, I'd already met him once. And uh, and then, yeah, just sent me the DM. And next thing you know, getting getting lunch and things are going good. And things are going great. Yeah. It's, it's amazing what that can do for you, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's sure. pretty cool to see all that. So obviously it was worth it. It was, it was a heck of a lot of fun to be on there. But did you realize at the time, like, television isn't easy work, man. No. Like, it is hard work. Yeah. And they put you through the ringer. I remember – one time I did one episode of a Food Network TV show, and we had to do the same thing over and mm-hmm. over and over again to the point where you're like, I don't know that I can continue to do it like this, you know, yeah. so many times, right? Yeah, just, uh, and I was, you know, flipping pancakes and doing this kind of thing, and uh, they're like, over again, another one, another one. And I was like, kind of tired of it. And then the detail that goes into it, like, I got hot in one of the sets and took my shirt off, and uh, not my, I took my, my uh, flannel off. I had a T-shirt on under it, and I was walked off the set, and they were like, no, 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 you had that shirt on when you came in. We need to have continuity in the mm-hmm. shot. And uh, things I would never think of that there's levels of detail out there that are unreal. So how hard was it for you to kind of keep a secret, not tell anybody what went on until it aired? That was incredibly hard. <laughs> uh, so many people, you know, were seeing my house and things like that. And even before they knew that those people were all in town and, you know, you tell one person and, then it kind of it gets going, you know, and uh, it, it, that was that was definitely the hardest part of the whole process. And every once in a while, I would get a call from the producers, like, "You need to keep your pipe shut, you know, or else we're gonna, not going to do this." And I was like, "I haven't been telling anybody, but it was always something weird and random." And it was getting back to them, and then how the hell would it get back to them? Oh, they were they were all over town, and uh, the one that got back to them was somebody from Johnny's on Seventh. <laughs> where I like to hang out, went to a bar or uh, went to a wedding and the producer I had was at that wedding and uh, she said where she was working and, and then he was just like, you know, uh, my friend's got to be on there and uh, and he definitely was not anybody I would have ever told to begin with. But somebody else did. And, right. Yeah. And, and it kind of snowballed. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. But you, but your life has changed so much since those days in 2014. You, you've now working in Washington, D.C. Yeah. The cat suit's done. You're a fan uniter. You were on Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. You also bought interest in a bar, Shorties, yep. up in, in, in KCK on Strawberry Hill. Like, what, what prompted you to say, hey, it's time to own a bar now? I've always wanted one, and uh, it was one of those opportunities where – it was my buddy that had uh, a bar before the Blind Tiger down in Midtown, big old bar, mm-hmm. and they were needing a little help getting going with uh, the kitchen and the investment, and so it was pretty hands off. And I thought if I was ever going to make that step, it was an opportunity to. It's kind of like going to bar college without a huge investment. You know, I wasn't going to lose everything because they knew what they were doing. Right. So, and then you just kind of got the bug from there, huh? Yeah. And then now, now that we have that, it makes it so much easier for 
I've learned how to pull permits and shut the streets down and uh, have big parties outside for when all my fans, all my uh, Chiefs fans are in town. And then, uh, yeah, it's, it's been neat to see how all that process works. So now what's next, man, as, as you sit here and all the stuff you've been able to accomplish over the last five years and all the fun that you've had over the last five years, what's next for you? I've been really working on getting healthy, which is kind of not what I've been doing the last five years. So mm-hmm. that's, I've been on that treadmill and uh, working out three or four times a week and, and eating healthy and the new gals watching me and kind of able to, with authority, kind of tell me I need to calm down on my Saturdays and things. So I, I think I'd really like to get it where I could start playing basketball again and some things like that that I used to do when I was younger. That mm-hmm. Now that I'm losing some weight and uh, my knees and everything don't hurt so bad, I'd like to. That's kind of what I'm going to do next. No, I, I, I kind of thought you were going to say, you know, like lead a lead a fan, you know, revolt, not revolt, <laughs> but lead, lead lead a fan charge down to Miami for the Super Bowl or something <laughs> oh, like yeah. that, right? Well, I'll, be, I'll still be going to all those things, but I kind of look like the bell curve. Kind of everything got wild. The partying got amped up because of all the cat suit and everything, and now it's just kind of winding back down. And maybe I'll you know, be healthier and uh, be around for more years. And <laughs> in, in five years ago, and, and we sat here, let's let, let's say six years ago now, six years ago as we were sitting here, as we were getting ready to turn into 2014, nobody expected anything like what we're seeing right now in Kansas City, both from a landscape of Kansas City, sports landscape of Kansas City. In the next six years, what do you think is going to happen? Let's start with sports in this town. What do you think happens in the next six years in Kansas City sports? I think we get two Super Bowls in the next six years. I think we we're set up for that kind of run. We're, you know, kind of like what the Packers did. I don't, you know, I don't think what the Patriots have done is ever going to happen again. But right. I think we could do that. Where we're competitive every year, and um, I could see the baseball. I think we go back to the playoffs uh, in two years. In two years, yeah, yeah I, th- I think that's fair. What about from Kansas City? Like, what's the next big thing to happen in Kansas City? I mean, we've got the convention center hotel, the downtown ballpark looks like it's all but a formality now. Like, like what do you think is the next big thing for Kansas city? Uh, well, we just passed the free transit and all that kind of thing. So I'm, I'm hoping that it kind of, instead of being something that maybe all the tourists go to, maybe that, that East side, it would be huge if everybody, uh, the commerce went up over there and quit shooting each other so much and start talking about it more. I think that would, that would really help our city grow a ton by trying to get that taken care of. But I, I could see that with the streetcar and all the, the riverfront development and the West Bottoms coming around, and I'd like to see that Isle Capri, something go on there also. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that pretty rough. You know, if we had something that was right on the streetcar close to downtown, I'd, I'd be going to that. That'd be awesome. <laughs> so when, when you're out and about and you're in other parts of the country or other countries and you're working and people say, where are you from, and you say Kansas City, what do you tell them about Kansas City? What 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 do you explain to anybody who's not from Kansas City about our town? Uh, the way I explain it is, uh, our city is about the people. You know, we don't have great. You know, we got the worst of all of the weather. We got we don't have ocean. We don't have mountains, but we have the nicest people. So, if I go to Chicago and I hold a door open for somebody, they're gonna look at you like, oh, that was unexpected. You know, if you go to New York City, they look at you like. What are you doing? What's your problem, man? And then in Kansas City, if you don't hold a door for somebody, they're like, they think you're rude. So our people are what make Kansas City rude. I think John Stoner's message is pretty simple. Find a way to get outside of your comfort zone. Do something fun. Don't worry about what other people think. And it could turn into something amazing. It did for John Stoner, and really it did for all of us here in Kansas City.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.